Welcome to the Justin News Podcast. My name is Justin Cross, and today my guest, you've heard him on this show a lot. Uh, he is our State of the Stat correspondent. He's a journalist, an author, a writer. Corey Hill, thank you for being my guest, sir. Happy to be here. Uh, I was thinking about it as I was driving over here uh, to, to record that if I called you by accident, Corey Lewandowski, and Bob Mueller happened to stumble upon and listen to our podcast here, he still wouldn't know. Like, he may know Corey Hill more than he knows who Corey Lewandowski is. Yeah. Um, it was interesting how much he seemed to not remember. <laughs> <laughs> when you were watching that, were you just like, what? did you feel, like, I felt, maybe I shouldn't have. I know there's, this was like a big warning from a lot of Democrats. It was like, you know, don't get your hopes up on the Bob Mueller testimony, but... To some level, I mean, I think he said some pretty damning things in there, but at the same time, I was like, like, oh man, like, this guy, like, is he, is he awake completely? You know? Yeah, I mean, I thought, I thought a number of things. Like, firstly, I, I did think it was a, a little bizarre um, how halting some of the testimony was. And then I just thought it was, it was doubly bizarre that, the main takeaway from many people was that, uh, you know, this person heaped pretty damning testimony on the current president of the United States that he is uh, a criminal who has gotten away with it, and that was not the main takeaway. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know, I know. It's like he was so, he was trying his hardest to be neutral or to try to seem like he wasn't, you know, trying to make headlines, but it's like, why not? Like, why? Like, why? Like, this is yell it, fucking yell it into the microphone. And it's like, you've got to have some. Like, I don't know if he, I know he's a smart guy and he went to like Princeton or wherever, but like, he's got to know that people these days don't really read very much. And so, like, saying it and saying it loud kind of helps, you know? It kind of reinforces the point a little bit. I know. They need a little razzle dazzle. I'm not sure. Uh... It's sad. To me, it's sad that that is required and that they had people commenting on how great he was, but I don't think that, uh, you know, he was necessarily chock full of razzle-dazzle. So in a minute, we're going to get into our state of the stat, which is that 12 million more people voted for Democrats in the 2018 elections, yet Republicans still picked up seats uh, in Congress and, and, you know, specifically the Senate. Um, We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Russian interference, which is something that Bob Mueller talked about. Uh, voting rights, uh, why the election is not a holiday, a lot of stuff. But I got to get your, your your lukewarm take, Corey. What is your lukewarm take from these last Democratic debates that happened this week? Uh, I think it would be really hard to say that Biden looks good. Um, I think, you know, he's pulling ahead. But Elizabeth Warren sort of obliquely referenced him when saying you can't you can't vote for in the primary based on fear, and I think that it's it's very palpable in the the minds of the folks who are looking at this field uh, that some folks are trying to make the argument that you should be afraid that if you uh, you know take a risk on you know some other candidate you are going to elect Trump. And that's a real fear, and there are real consequences. And so I think that there's this sort of wrestling uh, happening of, 
do you vote for the person that you think reflects your values? Or are you trying to do some three-dimensional chess about who you know is more electable? Um, and I, you know, I think that that is a lot of the reason Biden has been pulling ahead. But I think if you look at his performance last night uh, on you know on Wednesday evening versus his you know performance in the in the first one as well, it's really hard to come away with anything other than uh, the impression that he. He looks pretty terrible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was in some ways. I I was watching him. And I'm like, that guy so wishes that it was 2012 or whatever it was, 2008, and he was debating Sarah Palin. Like, yep. he was just in his mind. He's like, ah, oh, wait, this wasn't that hard last time around. Like, <laughs> and somebody yeah. so, somebody tweeted me they're like, well, he 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 beat. He debated Paul Ryan and kicked his ass. I'm like, yeah, like Paul Ryan's like the standard bearer for debate prep. Like, what are you talking about? Paul Ryan uh, has a really undeserved reputation as being an intellectual. Yeah, I feel like he's they they think he's a wonk just because he knows like he's got a decent vocabulary and uh, and, and like, he cuts his hair short. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he does some dumbbell curls. He ran a marathon, which he lied about his time. Come on, he's good. Um, oh no! Yeah, I should have been disqualifying for higher office. <laughs> I interviewed last year Deb Holland, uh, who was uh, elected to Congress in New Mexico. Like one, of the, she was one of two Native American females, the first to ever be elected to Congress. But she, I remember this because I asked her about. She's a marathon runner, and I asked her about her her time. And right offhand, she couldn't remember. Well, she called me back after the interview and made like made like she confirmed her time with me. And I was like, you know what? Like Paul Ryan would not have done that. You know, like that's 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 why that's when you know somebody's legit. Do you happen to remember what he said his uh, time was? I think it was somewhere around three hours. He said he had, and it was actually like somewhere around like four, four and a half hours. So he oh. he shaved about an hour, hour and a half off. That's uh, you know, I guess if you're gonna go, you might as well swing for the fences when you're lying. <laughs> yeah. Go big, go go big or go home. Um, yeah, I I would say too to kind of your point is I, I especially noticed this the first night, and I know like John Delaney doesn't have a chance to win, um, although you can hear his interview on this podcast. Um, I I, <laughs> I I literally just I have actually no point. I just wanted to shamelessly plug that, but no, I I was gonna say like I feel like the first debate really. You know, maybe it was framed. Maybe this was like Halcyon and framed it in some ways. But I do think that you could see with Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders up there, uh, you could see the, the the divide within the party very clearly on the first night. And it wasn't yeah. just like a Biden versus Kamala. It was it was multiple candidates in some ways pitted against other multiple candidates. And and I I think that my takeaway is that those, especially in the Democratic primary. I really think that like you're seeing Biden being pushed further and further to to the left, which is, in my opinion, a good thing. But he's also not adapting to it very well. He looks like he's reactionary and defensive the whole time. I mean, these last two debates, he just seems like he's he's on his heels the whole time and just trying to punch his way out of it. Yeah, I mean, there's that whole slew of those folks uh, who I think that their primary organizing principle is fear. Uh, I think they want the, ex the exact same things, exact same kinds of policy proposals 
deep in their heart of hearts uh, that, you know, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are proposing, but they are afraid to just state that directly for, you know, fear of being pilloried by the right, fear of the media framing it the wrong way, fear of, uh, you know, Dukakis all over again. And I think that, you know, my favorite quote to have emerged from this campaign in any way, shape, or form was when Elizabeth Warren, uh, you know, opened up a hole in the earth and threw Delaney straight into the core when she said, you know, to the effect, I don't know why you'd bother running for president on all the things that we can't do and we shouldn't try to do. Um, And I think that that's, you you couldn't have said it better to me than, you know, you should you should be for big, bold ideas. That's what is needed. Everything wasn't fine before Trump and everything won't be, you know, hunky dory afterwards if it's just more of the same. Right. Right. Exactly. Well, and I, and I, you know, I think that, uh, Pete Buttigieg had a quote that I liked as well from that, which was, yeah, they're going to call us socialist no matter what, basically. Yeah, exactly. Like we can be progressive. We can, you know, we can run to the left or we can run in the center and they're still going to call us crazy socialists. So you might as well stand up for what you believe in. Yeah, I mean, they spent eight years calling somebody who, you know, stocked his cabinet with people from the finance industry uh, a Marxist, right? I mean, it's batshit insane that you could call somebody like Barack Obama a Marxist, but they're going to do it. So it's it's sort of like, just, you know, let your freak flag fly if they're going to call you that no matter (laughs) what. Just go all in. That'd be great if Biden comes to the next debate with, like, he comes out, like, with a bandana and nipple rings. And he's just, he's in like kink wear and you're like, wow, I didn't know. I could see you wearing a leather jacket, but not like assless chaps. Like this is impressive. Uh, It will will confirm my suspicion that he is your number one fan. (laughs) Uh, Well, let's, let's talk about the, uh, (laughs) I think it's a perfect segue to anything really. Um, Today's podcast is brought to you by Democratic firecracker Tim Ryan. While he may look like he's constantly fighting off acid reflux, he's really just straining to find ways to improve the lives of everyday Americans. Also, there might be a little reflux in there. One can't be sure, but mostly it's just the bubbling acid of American freedom. Tim Ryan. Uh, let's talk about twelve million. Um, give us the state yeah. of give us the state of the stat and and why you think it's it's so important. Sure, and I think as you mentioned, it's sort of an encapsulation of a broad range of deficiencies. But twelve million more people voted for Democrats in the uh, last election, and specifically. In, in the Senate is what that's referring to. So 12 million more people said, I want a Democrat to represent me in you know, what is the more powerful of the two legislative bodies. And yet the Republicans still picked up seats, right? Yeah. And in the commentary around this, around um, you know, the fact that Donald Trump is the president of the United States, despite, despite the fact that millions more people voted for Hillary Clinton— uh, and then you look at you know these places where 60% of the people voted for a Democrat, uh, but the Democrats got less than half the seats sort of thing. It 
somewhat bizarre to me that that is sort of shrugged off or offered as a footnote or like, oh, you know, that's just one of the quirks, uh, you know, yeah. like that this severe gaping, uh, you know, deficiency in how we elect people to higher office is just an, uh, an unconsidered assumption uh, in the you know, dog and pony show coverage of who gets, you know, who gets elected. Right. Well, you know, I was going to ask you, I mean, so I, I know, like I heard an interview with Beto recently and he was talking about how I think he, in pretty in depth, he was talking about why voting uh, rights and uh, voter suppression and what, like all of that kind of stuff needs to be a major, major issue for, you know, if he was elected, that that, that would be something he'd focus on. For you, how important of an issue, if you were to sort of rank, obviously, there's a ton that needs to be done with the environment, with education, with gun control. Uh, last you know, episode, we talked a lot about uh, alien reptoids running the government. That's huge. But like, it's a big problem. Huge, yeah. So where does, in your mind, voting rights and in, in, in voter suppression, in, but where does that rank when it comes to these other ones? Sure, I was trying to think of an, an elaborate, wonderful metaphor that could bridge the gap, but the reality is climate change is an existential threat uh, that will make the pla- planet uninhabitable in 10 years unless we do something about it. Um, and we can only do something about it if the mechanism by which we uh, choose uh, you know, our legislators, our lawmakers, etc., actually reflects the wants and needs of the vast majority of people as opposed to what it does now, which is not that. So I think it is the, the gatekeeping mechanism that holds back any of these other changes from actually happening. If you look at public polling on what people actually want, when it comes to military spending, when it comes to climate change, blah, 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 there's such a gulf between what people actually want and what legislators do and that's intimately linked to the fact that there are these, um, you know, vast structural problems with the way we allot power, the way we elect folks. And it's not a, it's not a both sides are doing it equally kind of thing. And I think that our media has this uh, tendency to reflexively say, you know, well, they do it, but they do it too. It's really not accurate. The Republicans choose the maintenance of power over democracy every single time and they have to because the trends aren't in their favor so we got to address that we got to address the fact that we don't have a functioning democracy or else we can't get to any of the other stuff right right and that was something it sounds like i'm endorsing pete right now which i'm not but like uh, i know and i think other candidates definitely hit on this but like he did mention the sort of structural this idea that we can't change the structure of our system. And I think that's going back to the debate conversation. And I think a lot of the more moderate candidates on the democratic side are still working. They're trying to, they're trying to argue within the framework of how things currently exist. And like, in, in almost it's to me a fairy tale because, you know, they want to say it's a reality of like being able to work bipartisan or, or trying to be yeah. able to move things through Congress when it's like, have you heard of Merrick Garland you know like have you have you not watched like what Mitch McConnell has done over the past decade like they they, yeah they're not exactly there's they're not exactly 
working on a bipartisan basis with with Democrats. So um, I think it's one of those things where you you have to, in some ways, change that structure, and voting rights is, is a huge issue of it. Let me ask you this. Among the different topics, like whether it's gerrymandering or abolishing the Electoral College, um, you know, both of them have very detrimental impacts on democracy, but like which one, like how would you go about trying to tackle this? Like which, and not again trying to rank things, but like what what is the biggest, I guess, issue that you have when it comes to this whole topic of, of voting rights? I'm really glad he didn't try and Chuck Todd me with a like trying to distill this impossibly complex thing into like a raise your hand type question. <laughs> <laughs> Which I will, one of your children do you like best? I, Tell I, me now. <laughs> I was, I, yeah, I'm going to try to turn this into a listicle if we can. So, uh, yeah, and I, so I've, I've actually been thinking about this quite a bit, and it occurs to me that they're all somewhat interlinked. And I, I was, I think we need something sort of like, um, you know, the the civil rights legislation that happened uh, under Lyndon Johnson, started under Kennedy, you know, with massive grassroots pressure to to take. Uh, what the people were feeling on the streets into law, I think we need to have something similar in this instance. I don't know what you would call it, you know, um, a Real Democracy Act or Restoring Democracy or actually establishing one for the first time in reality, whatever you want to call it. But I think we need to have some comprehensive uh, legislation at the federal level that tackles all of these things together that says, uh, you know, acknowledges that it's broken and puts all of these things together rather than trying to do it piecemeal because there are organizations working on gerrymandering. There are organizations that want a constitutional amendment around the electoral college, blah, 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 blah. But I, I think the most powerful thing would be to acknowledge that all of those have to happen. And the, the most useful thing would be for them to happen in one sort of omnibus way. Right. I, my, my suggestion I think this is very. I actually do think this this matters a lot. Put New Deal behind whatever it is, the voting New Deal, you know, yeah. like if you put New Deal, I feel like that carries some weight. And I do think actually it's a good way to frame it, right? Like you heard this in the debates. I mean, to some level, you have to. I do believe, like in our modern day discourse, you've got to frame things in a fairly simple but to your point comprehensive way. And I think yeah. when you talk about the environment, I mean last night's debate you you heard like you're in favor of a new green deal you're not like th- like these like that is actually a fairly good way to tie in all the different aspects like there's a way that you have to not just put it in a comprehensive package but also frame it in a way that people will digest yeah and i mean i i think that sort of step one for me is is always the like acknowledge that you have a problem sort of thing you know when you're yeah when you're looking at when you're looking at these things and i think joe biden and uh is probably the worst offender of this like oh we just need to reach across the aisle and we just need to you know win back in these midterms it's such a fantasy to to live in this realm where the republican party is not like an explicitly white nationalist organization that is hell-bent on maintaining power at any cost like we what makes you think you're going to be able to work with them on anything? <laughs> well, he's working with segregationists, man. Come on. He can work with anybody. Yeah. Fair uh, <laughs> point. Fair point. Uh, I mean, I, I think, you know, one of the things, though, kind of getting back to, like, how does this whole thing get – how does the ball get rolling 
and like you said, there there are there are groups working on gerrymandering and, and various various areas. But one of the things that's been talked about uh, is a national holiday. I know Beto O'Rourke mentioned that in the interview I was, I was listening to about creating a national holiday uh, for Election Day. Uh, yeah. Obviously, I, I would imagine you're pretty in favor of that. Is that right? That is correct. And I think most, if not all, I'd have to double check, but I think most, if not all, uh, you know, developed democracies do it that way. I mean, because it is a legitimate impediment for many people that they have to work and can't easily get out of it. And I think it also, I, I, I would say if there is one thing that I would choose out of, I mean, I think all of these things need to be worked on and addressed at the same time. But if there's one thing that just from, again, a discourse, getting thing in, getting things in front of, getting voting in front of the, the average everyday person in America, make it a day off. You know what I mean? Like, yep. like that gets, everybody knows to some level Veterans Day. It doesn't mean they celebrate it in a way that, you know, maybe you should celebrate Veterans Day, but like it gets them yeah. in front of their face and they, 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 for half a second, think about it, right? And I think that's the thing is you, you have a lot of people who just sort of don't think about voting in the same, you know, in, in, in a real serious way. And I think by doing that, it just gets it in front of their face as much as uh, you possibly could. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's those things with like when you're checking out at Amazon, they figured out that even you know, one additional thing that you have to click or fill out means, you know, 20 people drop out, right? You know, yeah. 20% of the people drop out right there. And we're we're doing the opposite of, uh, effect with, uh, you know, voting. Where it's a, it's a kind of equivalent of, you know, filling out forms in triplicate as opposed to the Amazon already knows everything about you and every thought you've ever had and already has your payment information ready to go. Right, right. And they won't have to pay taxes on shit, will they? <laughs> uh, yeah. Side note. <laughs> I uh, I like how you mentioned too about admitting we have a problem. I do think that's important. Type of uh, it's something that that I feel like it's a good framework for lawmakers and people in politics is to to look at it from that perspective. And you know what? If they do a voting new green deal or a voting new deal or a green new deal or what, like maybe maybe part of it is we we frame it as a twelve step program. And yeah. uh, there's a <laughs> everybody's just in recovery. The uh, apologizing people part of this would take a very long time. <laughs> Today's podcast is brought to you by Joe Biden's revolutionary new health care plan, Joe Obamacare. Joe Obamacare, it's different, we swear. Take a word for it and don't compare. Joe Obamacare. Treat those shingles with our catchy jingles. What, let me ask you this. What, how does the Supreme Court, how, does, how, does, how do the courts, the federal courts, play in all this, in, in, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's, again, it kind of is one of those, oh, well... Like, you know, you you opened up your egg carton and there's only 11 eggs. But what are you going to do? Like, it's that same approach to, the, like, the severe injustices that happen with, uh, you know, you mentioned Garland, uh, a rapist, uh, you know, sitting on the Supreme Court appointed by Trump and then stacking these uh, federal courts. The Republicans 
when they seize power, go scorched earth, right? They don't care about any sort of decorum or rules or whatever. It is, what can we do to maintain power at all costs? And then the Democrats, uh, you know, when referencing the Supreme Court at all, uh, it's sort of a like, well, I'm disappointed. Uh, and then that's the end of it. You know, there are calls to pack the courts. You know, there's no, there's nothing written in the Constitution that says it has to just be nine, right? That's sort of, it could be 15. It could be 22. It, it doesn't have – well, it had to be 23. But uh, the number is sort of arbitrary, and I, th- I think that being stuck in these boxes of, uh, you know – how have folks pretended like this works? We're going to go on pretending like this is how it works, even though that's clearly not what's happening is beneficial only to the party that's doing the massive amount of, uh, you know, cheating and, and court stacking. Why should the other side be obligated to treat it as anything other than farcical? Well, in, let me ask you this. I mean, kind of on that topic, like when it comes to something like gerrymandering, when, Democrats win certain states. Like, do you think that Democrats should fight gerrymandering with their own gerrymandering? No, because I think that that doesn't actually address the core problem. Um, and this is sort of a subtle, nuanced argument, which is that I think that the worst thing that the Democrats could do would be to pretend like nothing's wrong and that they just need to win more seats. The second worst thing would be to say, well, we should gerrymander too. The real solution is to say, uh, you know, we need to acknowledge that the Republicans are cheating and call it what it is and do everything we can to make sure that they can't do it anymore, not just like, oh, we need to register more voters, which is kind of always what you hear is like, oh, we just got to try harder next time, uh, as opposed to like maybe acknowledge that the other person is cheating when you're playing them in tennis, not like practice your shot more right right exactly the, the, even the more you can make more progress but they're going to just keep moving the goalposts. Um, yeah let's see if we could squeeze a couple more sports analogies into this one here um we're trying we're <laughs> trying to get a handball i i was impressed I, I you know i don't i know you're not a huge huge sports guy so i was pretty impressed with the tennis analogy right there last i kind of want to finish up with this i mean when it comes, it seems obviously you mentioned earlier that Republicans are are trying to do this in some ways to preserve holding office, to preserve America's whiteness. I mean that that is how they are getting elected. That's not like a made up thing. They're purposely doing that because they yep. know that black and brown people don't generally vote for them, except for right. that one guy who's always in the back of Trump's speeches. But yep, and he will be pointed out by him exactly. And and then. Uh, Whatever their names are, like Iron and Silk or Silk and whatever. Oh, diamond. I think it's Diamond and Silk. Diamond and Silk. Iron and Silk. It was something, some some sort of uh, rock. That's, a, that's like a, a Monsters, and Man, uh, Monsters and Men cover band. <laughs> and they'll be playing at your local uh, Orlando, Florida Holiday Inn yeah. the, <laughs> this Saturday if you want to go check them Gator, out. Gator's Dockside. Gator's Dockside. <laughs> Isn't that like the place where Matt Gates was like got the DUI from? It was uh no, it was the swamp in Gainesville. That was probably like, Matt... like one out of every two uh, eating establishments in Florida <laughs> is like a, a bar with like a 
a 30 pound plate of nachos and fountains of Bud Light. <laughs> I love it. That's what I actually miss about Florida is the fact that you can get, it's so cheap to like drink and eat there. It's like you do those, you do like the buckets of beer, you know, you yes. get like six Coronas for $5. <laughs> I went out, I went out this Saturday and we had three for one drinks in like this, <laughs> this bucket thing, and I went to I went to pay my tab, and I legitimately I mean, was question I questioned the bartender. I was like, "Did you make a mistake? Is this because my bar tab was twenty dollars?" <laughs> you could have probably done an IOU too on that. He probably's gotten that a yeah. few times in his day. I could pay them in the alligator teeth. <laughs> Well, well, I mean, when it comes to like Republicans trying to hold on to power and preserve America's whiteness through through like voter suppression, like how long do you think they they can do this? Because in my mind, at least in theory, it seems like they can do all the you know stopping immigrants from seeking asylum and all the bullshit they're doing at the border and and you know what they did in Georgia to Stacey Abrams, they can get away with that for a while in certainly the South and different states, but like. When do you think that eventually our our country is just it's just changing and they're not going to be able to do this forever just due to you know how things are changing? So you have to wonder about that because it require it requires an escalation into something new at each step. The larger that disparity grows, right? And I think you can look to examples all around the world of a minority that ruled through increasing. Uh, you know, dispossession of uh, the majority, um, South Africa being an example, wherever, mm-hmm. wherever you want to go with that. There's, if, if there is no moral floor, which the Republicans have demonstrated in spades, uh, they could continue indefinitely. I mean, like I said previously, they've shown every single instance if the choice is uh, between the democratic aspirations of the people that they swore uh, upon taking office that they were going to uphold versus will the Republicans continue to hold office, they choose the second option every single time, no matter what. And so I think it really becomes a matter of like, how much do we let them get away with before we're up in arms? Like, Trump shouldn't still be president. There shouldn't be this agonized debate within the Democratic Party whether someone who's clearly a criminal should be impeached. Like, yes, of course they should fucking be impeached. Of course. Yeah. So I think it, it comes down to like, they will get away with as much as they can for as long as they can until the Bernie Sanders, we got to rise up uh, <laughs> sort of approach actually sort of sinks in. Uh, that was my best Bernie Sanders. I, that was good. Did you, did you raise your arms when you did that as well? No, I didn't, but I love that that is uh, a meme now. <laughs> He's, he looks so much so much like a Muppet. It boggles my mind. I love it. Then, yeah. I, I, it's, you know, people are like, well, he, he's an angry Democrat. I'm like, well, I'm an angry Democrat. Like, yes, we should be angry. I mean, like, I think that it's, it's justified. Although I will say, like, I do wonder if Bernie just wakes up in the morning like, Hey, you know, like, does he need? Some eggs. <laughs> um, lastly, electoral college. Um, there's, I, I talked to Emily Sirota from uh, from, from yeah. Colorado about that a little while back, um, 
again, just shamelessly plugging other podcasts that I've done here on the Justin News podcast. But, um, I mean, coinciding with that, like, what do you think that in our lifetimes we will eventually vote in every vote counts, counts and we're not working through an electoral college system? I think so. I mean, I think that we are we are seeing a recognition and it's growing and you wouldn't have seen this even, you know, 10 years ago within uh, the folks talking about this, even on the national states, that something has to change. And I, I think Trump hammered it home, but uh, he's not the first to gain the office of the presidency despite the fact that fewer people voted for him. So I think it's going to happen. I think uh, it could happen sooner if people prioritized it. Um, so I hope that we do. Well, uh, I think that, especially in Florida, I mean, if there's one state where we, I would not, I don't want to work through the electoral college system, it's where you are. And, uh, you know, we appreciate you being our embedded Florida man and our embedded state of the stat correspondent in Orlando. And uh, yeah. folk, folks, if you want a three for one, you know what, Corey, Corey maybe he may even buy your tab just because it's twenty dollars. So <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I what, can do it. What was that establishment that you were at that was three for one? That was the uh, Latitudes Bar in downtown Orlando. Oh man, that's a big plug yeah. for Latitudes. Yeah. I'm gonna get them to be a sponsor. Um, I'm hoping to get a cut next time I go in. <laughs> <laughs> probably get a cut, but it'll it'll come from like a knife. It'll be like a somebody just shucking shrimp in the back. I'll get like a, a chiller a chiller bucket of Bud Light. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, where can people go to check out? I know you have a new. Well, let's let's do a couple things. I want to plug both like places people can go to keep pushing this issue when it comes to voting rights. So a um, couple organizations that you may know offhand that, that support that. And then I also want you to tell me where you, um, what you're doing these days, because I know it's, you've got a new website that you're, uh, that you've, you're, you're writing stuff on a pretty regular basis. Yeah. And I, um, on the democracy stuff, um, I actually work with an organization called global exchange that is doing some work around trying to influence the direction of, of the debates in the lead up to the general and then afterwards. Um, so if you go to globalexchange.org, you can see some actions you can take and um, some items that you can download to start participating, uh, you know, in, in influencing this stage of, of the process. And, uh, you know, hopefully that will build towards, uh, you know, something more comprehensive like we talked about earlier. Yeah. And then... It, in terms of to find uh, profanity-filled uh, invectives uh, shouted into the void, and then <laughs> also some careful analysis um, and some fun photoshopping, you can go to uh, Revelator, which is um, the, the website uh, that kind of collects those thoughts, and that's R-E-V-E-L-A-T-U-R. Uh, it's Latin. It has something to do with illumination, hence the lamp logo. But uh, feel free to check that out, and you can check me out on Twitter at newschill. N e w s c h i l l. Just like his Bud Lights. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I bring a, a, a custom koozie with me uh, <laughs> everywhere I go with that. 
That's uh, that is Revelator uh, R E V E L A T U R dot com. Check out Corey's writing; it's very good. Um, and uh, Global Exchange, uh, Let America Vote, I think is another one. Common Cause, League yeah. of Women Voters, um, the ACLU. Like seriously, like let's make that an issue because uh, obviously Donald Trump and our current government. Uh, executive branch is certainly not making that an issue <laughs> because they're benefiting yeah. from it. So, um, and, uh, and to, to go back to one of your minor, uh, minor major points on uh, election day holiday, go to freethevote.org uh, to look at um, election day holiday stuff. That's right. It's been like it's been like half an hour after you listen to this podcast and just sign up for something like donate ten dollars something. Um, that would be huge if, if people did Agreed. that. So, thanks and, then, a lot. and then go to either Gators Dockside or Latitudes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sure th- I'm sure you could, you, can, you know, they probably have good Wi-Fi at those places. So you can, you know, get a bucket of Bud Lights for $3 and uh, get, all, get some Wi-Fi, sign up for some voting rights organizations, and uh, get hammered for cheap. Agreed. Uh, Corey Hill, thanks so much for being uh, our State of the Stat correspondent and being my guest this week. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk to you soon. All right, take it easy. Thanks.